Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The fact that I was the only kid to get a scholarship and play football out of this bunch makes me go back and say, God, what if I was able to help every one of those kids go and get the same life experience and education I did? What would that community look like? How many more leaders would be back in that community sharing their story? And it wouldn't be the exception. I was the exception. I think it should be the norm that every kid should have an opportunity to go on and play sports in college. And, and that's one of the things that drives me and gives me so much passion in, in what we do and how we created NCSA. What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. Number one, people who are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews with game changers, business leaders, you know, telling us their origin stories, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now. Why? So it can help you step into your greatness within your life, your business, and your career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years of entrepreneurship as a CEO and founder to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation, and I'm stoked to have you here with me. Everybody, welcome to today's show. We just... I'm super excited to have this guest, uh, CK, Chris Krause, great friend of mine, interviewed him. We had an amazing time in the interview, you know, got to learn about how he started MCSA, which ended up helping 200,000 college students get scholarships, raising over $16 billion in scholarship funding, uh, his entrepreneurial story, how he literally built this vision when he to set to hit 50 million in revenue when he'd only done 1.8 million, nailed that goal within 10 years, and then subsequently grew the company to 200 million. Had two exits, sold his company for nine figures to Endeavor, William Morris Endeavor, huge management, uh, entertainment management company out of LA, and how he's helping student athletes now through his uh, beliefs in what's called athlete leadership. So we're going to be talking all about that. His background coming from the from the blue collar neighborhoods of Chicago, getting his scholarship to Vanderbilt, and eventually taking that into growing one of the most fastest growing companies in the United States. The other thing that we talk about that I love in this show is we talk about how CK, my boy Chris, how he uses this idea of a me tool to create the visions for everything he wants in his life. And I've seen him do this time and time again to build this nine-figure business and sell it, to live the life, this amazing life that he's living, and how he does these things in his companies to help his leaders level up and actually help him build the company he's trying to build. So some amazing stuff here on how to build an amazing life and how to build an amazing company. Uh, Stay tuned. Looking forward to listening to the show. Guys, welcome to this greatness machine. I'm your host, Darius Mashazde, and boy, do we have an amazing guest. My main man, CK, Chris Krause, is in the house. What's up, brother? Oh, what's up? Feeling good, feeling good. So I can roll on this thing. I've been been dying, been been watching your show, and uh, so happy you're, you're, you're inviting me on. Oh man, you know, like when when we're talking about greatness and being a machine, that's like CK in a box. Right. So, man, look for listeners who are new to the show. Uh, the greatness machine is really about two things. It's about fascinating people, bringing fascinating people who are living their passions to create greatness in the world. And my main man, CK, we've known each other for a long time. He is neither short of passion nor greatness. So, man, 
you're excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. I've been really wanting to get you on the show because you've just done so many cool things in your life. And I think you're such an inspiration, man. And uh, I really wanted to share your story with, with our listeners. So thanks for coming, man. Well, let's, uh, let's get it on, man. I, uh, anything I can do to share any tidbits of knowledge of things that I've learned from others, I'm just passing it on. So that's all, all I'm doing is just a transfer porthole here of, of hopefully some, uh, some inspiration. So let's do it, man. Dude, here we are. So, so, you know, I always like to give a little bit of background on how I know our, our guests. Some guests I don't know, but you and I do know each other pretty well. So CK and I, we met uh, 2015, 2016, and we're actually in a peer-to-peer um, forum called IQL Forum. It's a quantum leap forum uh, based out of uh, LA. And uh, he's down in Manhattan Beach. I was up in San Francisco and and uh, his, his forum recruited me to join. It was a CEO forum, which is a peer-to-peer group where we meet, you know, once a month via like either Zoom or in person. And it's all about, you know, sharing experiences as business people and entrepreneurs on our journeys and in life. And man, I'll tell you this, dude, like we've known each other now for going on seven years. And it's been it's been a, a cool ride just to watch you like the, the value you built uh, in business and in life and to to really see, you know, the changes that you're excited about making in the world around you today, man. So I'm so I'm honored to have met you through IQL. And I'm even more honored to to be your friend and, and to continue to learn and grow with you, man. So it's so, so good. So good to have that with you. Well, I'm honored. I'm honored to, uh, to be your friend, Darius. You're an inspiration and I, and I appreciate what you do, bringing it, your A game every week and, and sharing this podcast with people. I'm, I'm sure you're changing lives. So any uh, kudos to you, brother. Yeah, I just just don't let your kids listen to this until they're like seventeen. <laughs> All right, <laughs> we'll, not, we'll lock it up. It's <laughs> not safe for work. But so let me let me like dive in though because I, what I'd love to do is give your formal bio because I think like you know to to know to know a person you really want to hear the, a little bit of background and then I'd love for you to give kind of like your really the background story on what got you into what you've been doing. But but you know CK, you know what, when I met him, you know I learned a lot about him right away. First of all. He's a former SEC uh, football player from Vanderbilt, played football in his younger days. Upon graduation, he got into the business world, ended up in 2000 starting, founding and starting uh, an organization that some of you may have heard of. It's a national organization called NCSA, and it's NCSA Athletic Recruiting. And this is with really around a passion around uh, turning dreams of young athletes into, you know, call it collegiate athletes. If I have my number right, you guys have helped over 200,000 athletes. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, 200,000 athletes have raised over $18 billion in scholarships. And, you know, he did such a good job with this. He ended up actually selling the company to a huge private equity firm known as Reigning Chance that it was eventually bought. And that's public record, but it was a nine-figure exit. Ended up getting bought by Endeavor. And, you know, now he's on to the next chapter in his life, uh, which we're going to be talking about, which is called Athleadership. In fact, he has a book um, coming out to that name, uh, Athleadership that we'll be we'll be talking about some of the premise of that book as well. So man, that's a lot going on, brother. It's been a, a crazy wild ride, and uh, you know, it, it just you know the idea of um, you know living in America and uh, having some passion and writing goals on paper and and surrounding yourself with people that uh, you know that that are like minded and and want to see you succeed. Uh, you know, it couldn't happen in any other place than our beautiful country and and in in this country country where entrepreneurship is really uh being the the, the lifeblood of 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 our our communities. Yeah, you know, it's it's you know a lot of people like to trash our country and our country's far from perfect, but but if we've done one thing well in this country, it's created a fertile ground for entrepreneurial innovative, you know, gutsy leaders to come in and build massive value and and obviously, you know, you, you don't come from an entrepreneurial background, though, do you? Or is, 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 can you, you know, take I, us back? You know, actually, I, I, I do a little bit. My, um, you know, my, my mother, she was a beautician and she had her little uh, haircutting studio in our basement. Uh, so she kind of had her, her own little business that she ran, mm-hmm. which in my early days, you know, really, she that income made the difference of putting food on the table uh, in, in our home. And my dad started as an entrepreneur. He was uh, he he and his brother put together a bottling company where they they made uh, soda pop in the in the local community and it was a really cool it's called picnic pop and and I used to go to the to the factory and they you know watch them make bottling help them and do stuff so uh, that you know that that didn't turn out to be a, a business that was scalable uh, he ended up um, they ended up selling that business um, when I was in grade school and he ended up working for the for the navy for a lot of years after that but there was a, the roots of entrepreneurship 
had always been in my blood. I think from that, you know, as a kid, I was a caddy. So I was, I would hustle. I sold paper, newspaper, paper out, caddy to work, you know, all these odd jobs, but definitely the whole work ethic thing was part of our family's core values that were passed on to be big time. Uh, I, dude, I, I apologize for getting that wrong, but that that's definitely some entrepreneurial roots. You know, it's funny. So my grandfather um, had a, pop distribution company to the steel mills back in wow. like Western Pennsylvania. So we, we got some commonality there. Yeah. yeah. Always learning something new about you. You never, you never cease to amaze me our, 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 how we're interconnected here. Yeah, no, it's, well, it's funny when you start to think about what an entrepreneur looks like today, as opposed to, you know, you know, 50 years ago and, and how that cha- indelibly changes who we are to see someone, you know, making it making something for themselves especially at a young age you know i grew up my dad was an entrepreneur right so like i watched the guy that I, like which went to work but it was his business you know and mm-hmm. and he killed what he ate you know in the gas station business and you know it's i think that that leaves its mark right and and to your point it can come out a lot of different ways in i think both of us share the commonality around just gnarly work ethic right like yeah. Like being brought up where it's like, hey, working hard is not an option. It's like you, you're, you, that's what you got to do, you know. Right. So you grew up like having jobs, working your ass off. How did that lead you down the road to athletics? Because obviously that's become a huge part of your life. Yeah, um, yeah. I was lucky that I was introduced to you know, I, I, my neighbor was a coach, and he had a son that was became an all state basketball player when I was in grade school, and and uh, my parents always said, you know, that you know take a look at what Rob, Robbie Judson's doing. He's a, you know, he's a, he's going to get an athletic scholarship to go to college. And, and I was like, as a fourth or fifth grader, I'm like, God, that's so cool. You know, he's, you know, he's going to go to college for free and, and these colleges want him. And so I had this role model as a young kid. So as a sixth, seventh grader, I was like, you know, I wanted to play sports. So I was at the little Catholic school and I played basketball and played football and baseball and, and, uh, but as a young kid, I really wanted to find a way to get a scholarship because I thought it was the coolest thing. Cause my parents told me that I was going to have to work my way through college. I was going to have to earn money. And I said, well, heck, if I could get a scholarship, then that would, you know, think about how easy life would be in terms of saving money and, and how it'd be easier for my family. So being exposed to sports at a young age and seeing that there was opportunity for, uh, you know, for a college scholarship was probably the first and best goal I ever had as a kid. And it helped me keep on the straight and narrow, um, getting good, strong grades. You know, my dad, you know, said, if you, you know, you, all, you get a, you know, get great grades, A's and B's, C's weren't acceptable. And, uh, it was, it was a, it was a really good foundation for me. And it kept me, uh, kept me focused on, on, uh, on the big prize, which was continuing education. Now you grew up, um, in Chicago, right? Yes. Yeah. North and, Chicago. And what were you guys like middle-class, upper middle-class, lower middle-class? You know, I, I thought, I thought we were upper middle-class because, uh, I grew up on Argonne drive, North Chicago, where, which is, uh, you know, there's a, there were a lot of, uh, factories there. My grandfathers were immigrants from Poland. Um, they worked at Johnson motors, which were the, the uh, mercury outboard and, and John's Mansville, they made gypsum and, and they made, uh, you know, sheetrock. And and so they were Polish immigrants and uh, they worked, you know, they got up at four or five in the morning and worked till three and in the factories. And I, I saw that work ethic in them. And so the fact that we had an above ground pool in our backyard, it was about maybe 20 feet by 20 feet. And I thought we were like the rich family because we had a pool and actually kids would come over and play in our backyard. But but as far as North Chicago goes, compared to Lake Forest and the other suburbs, we were definitely uh, on the more on the blue the blue collar side of town. And and so was there a moment when you kind of recognized you're like, oh yeah, no, we're this blue we're on blue collar. Did you even care about that, or was it was that something that was on your radar? When I, when I was growing up in it, I didn't think any differently. But then by the time I you know got to college and and uh, started playing against other teams, um, my freshman high school uh, football picture here, I'll uh, give you an idea. <laughs> I got it right here. I don't know if you can you can pick me out pick me out of my team here. This is my freshman football team. Oh yeah, you're the you're the one white dude. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so 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 back in and so so you got you guys. So that's, so that's 1980, right? And uh, 19 of us are the freshman football team at North Chicago High School, and we go nine and zero, and we win the conference. We beat Liberty, we kick Libertyville's ass, we kick like Forest ass, Mundelein Zion, we all these teams that had you know probably more affluent uh, communities. 
uh, and we had a lot of pride with this group. And the thing that stays with me today, and the reason I keep this picture close by to me, is to kind of remind me of the transformative power of sports. This team that was nine and zero by the time we were seniors, we were four and five, and we lost about you know four or five of the best players on our team uh, because of they because of drugs and because of gangs and because of you know the kids didn't get the kind of support at home. And when you take four or five kids on a team of 19 kids of, and they both, everybody went both ways. So that's basically like losing like 10 starters. And I look at that team. I'm like, God, if everyone had the same support I had, everyone was good enough to play in college somewhere. And the fact that I was the only kid to get a scholarship and play football out of this bunch makes me go back and say, God, what if I was able to help every one of those kids go and get the same life, life experience and education I did, what would that community look like? How many more leaders would be back in that community sharing their story? And it wouldn't be the exception. I was the exception. I think it should be the norm that every kid should have an opportunity to go on and play sports in college. And and that's one of the things that drives me and gives me so much passion in, in what we do and how we created NCSA. Yeah. So, so let's uh, fast forward. So you end up, uh, you got a scholarship to Vandy Vanderbilt, which is, you know, some fancy Southern school, the, <laughs> the, the, the Harvard of the South. Yeah. <laughs> Duke and Vanderbilt. Those guys yeah. argue, for the, argue for that title, but, yeah. but, but you end up at Van, Vandy and um, you end up playing, is that D1 football? The D1 at Southeastern Conference, baby. We played against Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Auburn. It's the best conference in the United States, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, so you played yeah. SEC, you know, D1 football. I was pretty sure you it was D1, but I just wanted yeah. to confirm. And yeah. and so, um, sorry, there's a lot of fancy pants there, so I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, we we beat we actually beat Alabama my freshman year. Oh, in Alabama, in, in roll tide. Yeah, roll, roll tide. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a big deal, man. Like, yeah. like, like, fo- like Alabama football is a religion. You know, yes. yeah. Tuscaloosa, baby. Yeah. Um, so you end up going to Vandy playing, uh, you played, did you play all four, four years there? Yeah. And so, you know, did you think like, Oh, I'm going to try to go pro or was it like, no, nah, I'm not, you know, Yeah, I think any kid that goes, that gets a football scholarship, especially at a D one school thinks you're going to go pro. And I thought the same thing. Um, the thing that kind of helped me the most was, you know, my sophomore year, I, there was a kid that was in front of me named Chris Gaines. He was an all American. And, uh, and uh, there's another kid named Carl Jordan, who was who was all SEC um, defensive tackle, who was like the, he was a monster. He was a beast. And and he got drafted by the Cowboys, like in the seventh or eighth round and then got cut. And I'm like, if this guy can't make it in the NFL, I better get my ass to class. <laughs> <laughs> because that was a, it was like this guy had you know he was benching 450. He was squatting 800 pounds. He was just an animal. And I'm like, if this. And I realized at that point, it was probably a sobering, but it was a good dose of reality for me was like, okay, I'm, I'm over, I'm, I'm overachieving. I got a full ride. I'm, I'm going to come out of school debt free. I got into a school that's one of the best schools in the, in the world and football helped me get there. And I, and I just milked it for all it was worth. And, uh, I realized that I better, I better take out more than just a, uh, uh, you know, a, a degree in football out of this, out of this institution. Yeah. It's so, it's so funny. You said that, like, um, I, I went to high school in Southern California and there was a kid who was literally, he was a USA today, all American mm-hmm. baseball player. Uh, like, like the whole, the whole nine yards we end up playing yeah. for UCLA. He gets drafted out of high school, goes to UCLA, becomes the PAC 10 home run champion, first round draft pick for the Phillies ends up getting on the field on the Mets roster and gets basically cut after like one season. Yeah. And, and I remember like the, the guy was the pac 10 home run champion in college. Yeah. Like he was like literally like the bet, one of the best players in the, in the country and like bar- barely, barely played in the pros. Right. You know? right. So, so I, I remember thinking, I'm like, yeah, everyone's, him there right 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 and everyone is him and better everyone's <laughs> better than him <laughs> yeah yeah and better because yeah. he, I mean, he played a little bit but he probably played one season yeah. uh, you know on on the bench which is a huge deal right but yeah but even he he didn't make it that far so well how did that like walk us through like how did you end up getting into ncsa it wasn't like you graduated college like oh man i'm gonna go start a business and help kids get scholarships like how did how did that well, come to be at, well first of all vanderbilt 
did an incredible job in terms of helping me get a major that was going to put together a, a some skills that were going to be valuable for me in the real world. And one of the things that I found out is that when I got to Vanderbilt in my high school, I, I did pretty well in my, my, my high school, I finished fifth in the class, class rank. Uh, it wasn't, but it wasn't that competitive. When I got to Vanderbilt, we had 127 valedictorians in my freshman class. Wow. So I, so when they looked at my transcript, I was in the bachelor of science or um, a liberal arts college. I only had like one year of Spanish and they immediately looked at my transcript and they said, listen, because you're a football player, we could, we're going to get you set up in any you know curriculum that's going to be you know uh, uh, that you can handle. And if you go into to liberal arts, you're going to fail out because one year of Spanish, you're going to you're going to you're not going to you're going to fail that. So they they have this new major called human development, which this guy Dr. Bob Ennis had just started a couple of years before. In fact, it's Vanderbilt has the number one human development school in the world right now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and Supply and Demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million-dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through. But then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius from Shazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now. And let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. They stop me from fully enjoying the little things in life. From canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of the sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose, itchy watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now, and let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits, and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear uses directed. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And it really is about the idea of human performance and continuing education and and, and developing human capital, which I didn't know what that was, but I started looking into it and I'm like, wait a minute, these human development kids were getting, you know, recruited by Arthur Anderson at the time. And they're in the McKinsey type 
kids that were coming out that were really figuring out how you can build culture and build human capital. Something I never thought about going into as a as a high school kid, but I, I started learning about it. I'm like, wow, this is really cool. And I did an internship at a sales and management consulting firm with this guy, Dr. Bill Halbert. So I started learning about management. And then this guy, Dr. Halbert, introduced me to this guy named Mark Stout, who I did my practicum and my another internship with a group called Dynamics Incorporated. It was a sales consultant. So I learned management and sales as as a as a junior as a senior in college and i became this you know really this management and sales ninja i i was i had job offers coming out of my ears and it was all because i was able to really take advantage of this major which incorporated uh, marketing and sales i learned about corporate cultures from a guy named Terry Deal who runs the the uh, Stanford um human development and in, in, uh, uh, co- uh, corporate cultures institute at, at Stanford. So I learned from all these incredible professors and I got all this job in experience, uh, which really uh, gave me a lot of confidence. I was, at, I was a sale, uh, sales cons- uh, working with as a sales uh, and management consultant company. And I was, I was teaching car salespeople how to, how to sales and, and training salespeople right out of college. Which was, I think, one of the, the best skill sets anyone could have for the rest of their life. Because if you can sell, you're gonna you're gonna have a job. Yeah, that's great. So, so you, um, I mean, what luck, right? Like, like and this is uh, what in the in what late eighties, mid to late eighties, yeah. yeah. mid to late eighties, you're studying human development and performance management, like the stuff that that's now like kind of more commonplace. But this right. is you know what, what thirty plus years ago, right? And and what I mean, talk about like. You know, it's like almost like dumb luck, right? Like yeah. you get into this thing that that is meant for you, right? And then you're able to apply it right out of school. Right. I mean, what what a gift! So, what once you did that, how did that lead you down the road to you know this passion that you've had around helping athletes? I really want to well, hear that part of the story. Well, I, I was doing my I was doing my internship, and then I took a job with Dynamics, and I was working in Southern California, and I was. I found myself going to all these car dealerships and I was making pretty good money. And I was like, this is, you know, I, I, I'm, I, it's a job. I'm training people how to sell cars and I'm teaching people on how to, you know, how to, you know, how to uh, prospect and how to lead generate and doing all these things and how to build relationships and business and, and, and sell ethically, uh, find a need and fill it. And all the, the sales acronyms, you, uh, you know, and my, my, I wasn't really being fulfilled though by that. It's like, I, I, it's like my, my heart wasn't in sales in, in the car industry. My heart was, I was thinking I still had a passion for sports. I wanted to either get into sports uh, or I wanted to maybe get in entertainment because those are two things I thought would be more exciting and fun. That would be more something I aligned with. And I met a guy named Preston Denard out in California who was helping the uh, helping uh, high school student athletes get scholarships in Southern California. And there was a guy named Bob DePew that worked with him. And, and he, they had this little little franchise opportunity where you could you know, buy a territory and you could go uh, you know, meet high school kids and sign them up on, and, and help distribute their, you know, their resume to college coaches to help them with scholarships. And I'm like, this is you know, five years out of me going through the recruiting process myself. And I'm like, God, this, this process hasn't changed a bit. Mm-hmm. I roll back to my sophomore and junior year of high school where I'm like, I got all these letters from all these colleges. I, there, was a, there was a guy who played a year ahead of me who was highly recruited to Division I school and went to Wisconsin. So I got, I got hundreds of letters and I thought, oh, I'm going to get to pick my school. I got Notre Dame. I got UCLA. I got uh, Georgia. You got, got uh, Illinois. All these colleges are sending me all these letters. And I just and I talked to my high school coach and my coach said, Oh yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have lots of offers. Just you know, let you know, let them come to you kind of thing. So I waited till my senior year and I'm like, man, I got a box of letters and no and I'm reading in the newspapers all these kids are making, you know, making visits and they're getting offers. And I'm like, wait a minute, why am why am I not getting offers? So I started going through all the the, the letters and the letters said, you know. Dear, dear Chris, if you're interested in Michigan, fill this out or call me if you have any questions. Bo Schembechler. And I'm like, I didn't fill any of this stuff out. And I'm like, I thought my coach was going to do it all for me. And I'm like, wow, wait a minute. It's like literally my senior year is over and I have no offers in a box letter. So I started writing all these college coaches back and I started getting on the phone. I started calling these coaches and said, Hey, I'm Chris Krause. I got letters from you. You know, I made honorable mention all state and I, you know, and, and uh, I'm here, I'm 6'2", 220, run a 4840. And, and they said, well, we, we didn't know you're interested. Send us a videotape and we'll take a look at you. So my dad and I, luckily we got 
uh, we, we put together, we cobbled together a highlight tape of me. I send it out to some colleges. And next thing you know, Northwestern, Vanderbilt, Michigan, they all said, Hey, we really like you. Come on out and visit. And we'll, you know, we'll, and then I started getting offers. So it was literally, if I wouldn't have done that myself. So I was literally marketing myself as a 18 year old high school kid and didn't even know what marketing was. But had I not done that, I would have been passed by like all the kids that were passed by in my high school football picture. And there were a lot of kids that I knew that were really good that probably should have went somewhere that never had the chance. And now in hindsight, I see recruiting is it is an active process where student athletes need to be involved and be the centerpiece. And, they, and letting it happen is not the way recruiting works. And that's how the way kids get passed up is because they didn't have parents that were supportive. They didn't know when to get started. They didn't know what the coach's role was and they didn't understand their role. So there's this huge chasm of information that in this vacuum that people don't have that I luckily got. And in hindsight went back and I said, there's still, you know, here it is five, six years later, kids are still getting missed. And I'm, and this was division one football. Imagine the D three soccer coach who have zero recruiting budgets or the, you know, D two tennis coach. And I started learning about all these other recruiting opportunities where, you know, the football has a lot of money and can re, they re, can recruit nationally. Most of the colleges have very, very little. You know, the average college coach has maybe 2500 bucks back at the time, maybe 5000 bucks to try to recruit a whole roster on their team. And you wonder why kids get passed up because coaches don't have the resources and the parents and high school kids don't have the resources. And that's when I kind of discovered there was a huge opportunity to to link those two communities together. Yeah, that's so, so crazy. I, you don't know this. I don't think we've had this conversation, but I ended up do almost having an identical experience that you did to and bef- where I was a top wrestler in the state of California. My coach didn't have do anything. He he went to JC Cerritos College. It was like, hey, yeah. you should go to you should go to Cerritos College. Right. Like, I don't, well, don't, don't want to go to JC. I want to go to I want to go to a you know I had pretty good grades and stuff. So I'm like I want to uh-huh. go to a good like, a top school. And that was the the end of that conversation. I ended up picking up the phone. I got to, I didn't get in for academics to UC Davis. I called the co called the coach. Right. I was like, Hey man, wow. sent he, I said, here's my credentials. Same as you. I gave him my credentials yeah. and he's like, send me a tape, send him a tape. And literally one week later, my rejection letter became an acceptance letter. Yeah. And I was a walk on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but it got you in, but it got you in sports yeah, got I, you into that school. I had yeah. no idea, man, that I, had I known I would have applied to Columbia and a bunch of these different schools. And because I probably wasn't good enough for a scholarship, but I was good enough to walk on to almost any D1 program. Right. And I would have leveraged that to get into a bunch of schools that I didn't even think to apply to. Right. Right. And so this is back in the mid 90s. Yours, you're talking about when you were in the, this is your a few years so old. This is the mid, mid 80s. Yeah. yeah. And so, so you got, so yeah, man, huge opportunity. And so, you got involved with these guys and started uh, making some waves. Walk us through like what so happened the, next. So I, I got the idea and I got my 88 Honda Accord, packed up my belongings. And I said, hey, this is something that I feel I can do because I knew how to sell. I knew it was needed. But my base of information in my in my level, my, my trusted people were back in Chicago. So I figured I got all these high school coaches. I knew I played on this, you know, all state team and was on this all-star team. So, and I knew lots of people in the community. So I'm thinking, let me go back to Chicago. I'm going to go talk to all the coaches and do what I did in the car industry for the college recruiting industry. So I went back and I worked out of my my car and I went and talked to coaches and I prospected and the coaches told me who their kids were and I would go sit down with moms and dads and I started building resumes and I quickly became the number one franchise owner in the United States of of helping kids get scholarships in wow. the Chicago area. And uh but the the thing that bothered me the most was that people to hire me it cost money and and all the rich communities could could afford to hire me so i was working in lake forest and lake libertyville i literally all those communities basically took up 90% of my time but going back to north chicago those kids didn't have the resources and i knew those kids needed it more than anything so i always thought there's got to be a better way where we can get some corporate help find a way to get these kids in too so part of my thing was like i'm going to start a company if i'm going to start a company it's got to be all inclusive because colleges want the best kids, not just the rich kids. Right. And that, and so that's what gave me the idea to start. If I start this NCSA thing up, 
you know, it, it wasn't really scalable. I would go, I would get the lead myself. I would go drive to the, I'd call the moms and dads. I'd go to the home. I would write the resume and I would only work with two, 300 kids a year. That's, that was my capacity. So that was just all on me. And I, at the time where I'm thinking, how do I scale this for the first three or four or five years of doing this, it was kind of like just a, um, a lifestyle business. I, I coached football. I coached at my old high school in, in the afternoons and then the evenings I'd go meet families. And that was my life. And then I started helping other developing other franchises around the United States, teaching kids how to teaching individuals, how this model worked, but it was always kind of mom and pop. It wasn't scalable. And it was about the time, you know, around probably 90, the late nineties, once, you know, I started looking at technology. I'm like, how could I help kids more efficiently before we would actually put a bunch of you know, the resumes together in a package and send it out. And it would take a month or two. And for a lot of kids, a month or two was too late to get it done. It was, they were seniors in high school. So I started doing faxes. I started faxing information to colleges and I started building databases from coaches I knew from relationships I had. So I could take a kid's profile and literally overnight, I would send it out. I'd send 50 faxes out and I'd have 25 colleges saying, yeah, I want that kid. So I'm saying, holy smokes, this thing, you know, scalable. And then, you know, the internet comes about and I'm like, well, let's put a website together. And, you know, the, the old guy that worked at the old college prospect said, oh, no one's going to, who's going to look at a, who's going to look at email or who's going to look at it. You know, no one's going to look at the (laughs) internet. I'm like, no, I, I, I think this can work. You know, what's what's this your internet? No one's going to pay attention to that. (laughs) <laughs> right. So I was able to to do what, what, what the other companies were do would take two months to do. I could do it in two hours and have results. And so that's when I kind of clicked. I'm like, we got something here. And I no one else and I didn't start out thinking I wanted to build a company that connected forty thousand college coaches at seventeen hundred high schools and a community of, you know, you know, four hundred thousand kids that are getting recruited every year. But once I was able to see that technology there were the 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 you know, the technology was, was there. I started calling all these colleges and getting, and they started giving me their college coaches, email rosters. So I was probably the first person to really start to aggregate databases in the coach community. And and I was thinking it could be done. And we started hacking away at it. And I started NCSA in my basement. And then uh, about four or five of the other, you know, people that I had been in the business with saw how we were operating and they came and joined me. And we, we went from, I had a five-year goal of taking NCSA from zero to one and a half million dollars in revenue in five years. And we did that in 18 months. And next thing you know, we started rocking. And then I said, well, we have to do another plan. So I built a plan from 2002 to 2012. It's called the 2012 plan to get it to 50 million. And uh, we every year we, we we were on pace and we built it to 50 million by 2012. And that's when we uh, got that's when all the you know, the uh, private equity groups are starting to to come knocking at our door. And, and that's where I met the, the guys from Rain who wanted to take our vision. And then I made a 2020 vision to get it. 200 million and we did that so it was a, it was it was been a crazy ride but it started with the the core value of ath leadership which is a word i invented you know empowering leaders through the life lessons of sports and putting a plan together setting goals being accountable growing a culture hey gang darius mishaza here i hope you're enjoying the show so far so listen I know we have a lot of CEOs, entrepreneurs, and business owners out there that listen to the show. And right now, if you're one of those folks and you're doing, let's call it a bare minimum of seven figures and above in your business, then what I'd like to do is give you an offer right now. How would you like to get your hands on the frameworks that I actually used to scale my last company, which started off as a small little seven-figure company? to over $100 million in annual revenue. And I did it in less than two years and I did it without costly growing pains, without the headaches that that you usually experience when you are scaling your business. So if you're one of those folks and you're trying to grow your company, but you're you're finding yourself stuck in that day-to-day, if you're one of the listeners and you're getting grinded, this is your respite from getting grinded on your business, you're listening to our show and you're dealing with the breakdowns, you're dealing with inefficiencies and you've got that firefighter suit on and all the problems lining on your desk and you're, you're not doing the work you're supposed to be doing, which is working on the business instead of in it, then what I'm about to talk to you about for the next call 60 seconds, this is precisely for you. Real quickly, though, if you don't already know this about me, prior to starting The Greatness Machine, I spent 20 years of my life as a founder and CEO of real-world companies 
And during that time, I actually grew my companies to over $1.2 billion with a B in bootstrap revenue. In fact, uh, we scaled out my last company from 30 to 1,000 employees, and we did it in just 36 months. And we did it all by using a three-step framework that I call my scale map method. So that, of course, brings us to the purpose of this here mid-roll ad. Yes, this is what the podcast producers call these things. Recently, I created a 30-minute training. And what it does is it walks you step-by-step through all of my scale map method frameworks. And you can watch it right now for free when you go to DariusScale.com. That's my first name, Darius, scale, S-C-A-L-E.com. And what these frameworks do is they fix, they simplify, and they streamline every single aspect of your business. And they do it without the need for complicated scaling systems that are typically way too difficult and way too time-consuming for a busy CEO like you and from like myself was to implement. So if you want a simple and you want a proven path to remove yourself from the day-to-day operations, just like I did, so that you can do what you're supposed to be doing, which is leading your company to record growth without the headaches and without the growing pains, go to DariusScale.com. That's www.DariusScale.com. Watch the short video and I'll see you guys on the inside. Now, back to the show. my lover. So yeah, let, let's back up for a second. So wh- wh- when did you, how much were you in revenue when you set the goal for 50 million? What was the revenue at? We were at about 1.8 million. I love that, that, man. Yeah. I love that. You're such a fucking yeah. entrepreneur. Like, <laughs> like, like, we hit almost $2 million yeah. this year. Guys, we're going to do 50 million 10 yeah. years from now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, luckily I got, you know, I was in the consultant business and I had a, a, a consultant, this guy named Joe McClinsky, who I met through a mutual football guys. He was a, he was a uh, football guy who uh, went to, um, I, I think it was at Carnegie Mellon or uh, uh, anyway, but anyway, he was a football guy and he get it. He goes, you got to, you know, I was like thinking 1.8 million. I said, how do we, how do we grow this thing? He goes, you need to think big. Where are you going to be in 10 years? So we sat down, we put a 10 year plan. We're like, all right, if everything went right and the sun shined on us every day and the rainbows collided and everything were there, where would we be in 50 years? Like 50 million, you know, that would be if everything went perfectly. And, uh, and so we back, backward engineered it. So, well, if you're going to get to 50 million by, you know, 20, well, in 2006, where we got to be at about 25, you know, or then, and then at 2004, we got to be at 15 and three, two, we got to be at, you know, nine or 10 or six or eight. And then five, then we said, well, how many leads do we need? And we went figuring out, well, how many people do you need? And, and then all of a sudden, it, by having that vision, I was able to attract people that said, I want to be a part of that. And that was a big, huge part of our culture was having that vision and sharing it, not keeping it in a, in a, in a file under your desk, but, but publishing it and sh- at every interview saying, this is where we're going. You want in? And we started to attract people that wanted to be a part of something big, which uh, was a big driver for us. Yeah. You know, I love that. And, and you know, look, I, I think this is like a lesson learned from sports is people want to be a part of something greater than themselves. Right. Yeah. And like great teams are that they're greater than themselves. They, they win, win championships and nobody wins a championship hoping they're going to win a championship. You win a right. championship because you've won it in your head before a hundred times over a thousand times over before that moment really happens. And so, you know, what I just heard you say is I went and I said, hey, if, if it, what I, I you removed all the constraints and said, if I went big, mind you, you you've barely been an entrepreneur at this point. Right. You've been doing, you know, running this these franchise business, running these small lifestyle business, as you put it. Then you start you go out on your own. You see the thing with the Internet. You're like, hey, I'm going to start my own thing. You get a few people that are motivated by that. You guys get it to one point eight million. And then you dream big and say, like. What would this look like? How long? What would happen to get us to fifty? So, what I, I'd love to say, for you to kind of dive into this a little bit because you do this in all parts of your life. I know this because I know you personally, but you're a person that really draws out what life looks like, and then you reverse engineer the outcome. You mind kind of you did, you gave us the example with the business, and, and and to your point, you know what do they call it? the law of attraction. It attracted the people that would show up to help what in the, in uh, the alchemist, they say, you know, like let the world know your deepest desires and the world will conspire to make them happen. Right. Right. Like, like maybe talk a little bit about how you've done that, you know, in all parts of your life. Cause I, I've seen you do it in so many ways and it's, it's impressive from the outside looking in, but I'd love for you to touch on that. Yeah. The whole idea of, you know, you know, the, the uh, seven habits of, of, uh, of successful people from the Stephen Covey. It's like, you know, begin with the end in mind. It kind of stems from that. And it's like, and, it, and I'm like, God, if I can do this in business and it worked 
why am I not doing that with my family and my and with and in my personal life? So it, you know, I, I started to do the exact same thing, writing out a, a personal plan for what I wanted to do. For you know, we, we call it a me tool. You know, and, and a number of our, our guys in our forum are we we kind of you know hold each, each other accountable in in, in putting together uh, plans, a, a kind of a, a, a bucket list, but more of a a, a, a strategical. Uh, um, roadmap sort of say of what we want to do where who do we want to spend our time with what do we want our 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 health to look like what do we want it for our family what do we want for our 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 communities what do we want for our businesses chunking them down and and really backwards engineering it in terms of of you know we call them smart goals specific measurable you know attainable um recorded over a time frame and being able to have it from a 25 year out to a six year out to a, a one year out to a, and then having the, and, and getting the habits and that, that are going to be, you know, I call it habit stacking uh, to be able to do the things where, you know, I know I'm going to be able to, to keep a level of fitness because I'm working out six, seven days a week. I'm surfing a certain amount of days a week. And then I'm, I'm traveling on a certain amount of times a week. I'm spending enough time with my, you know, my family a certain number of days a week and, and making trips with the family and then finding out the, the things we want to do together and being accountable in terms of, you know, getting tickets to go to the concerts we want to go to and, and, and mapping out the, you know, the trip to go to, to, to Lollapalooza or, or, or uh, Hawaii for a surf trip or Fiji with my buddies for a trip and, and making sure I got enough date nights with my wife, Laura, and, and that we're, you know, we're doing trips with our families together and, and really finding a way to you know to get um, the most out of out of the, the these few summers we have left before the kids graduate from high school. Yeah, let me ask you a question because I, I mean, some listeners may be like, "Oh yeah, of course you can go do all the, those cool things, man." Like you know, you you had a big exit, you sold a nine figure company, you know, you're you, you know you're living life. But like, how how would you try to do some of those same things, or did you do those same things before you had your exit? Maybe walk us through that a yeah. little bit. Well, I think even before having a chance to to see and, and, and build and scale a company through as an entrepreneur, one of the things that I, I got involved with was is a group called EO, which we're, we're all involved with. And you know, the whole idea is if you're not you know you're not working on the business, you're working in the business. And for a long time before I got involved in the in EO, I was I was in the weeds. I was working in the business, and it wasn't until I started learning that if I don't extricate myself and and have a vision for the company and for myself. I'm just going to be one of these guys that ends up working themselves till they're you know 60, 70 and dies of a heart attack because they didn't take care of themselves. And that's I've seen that happen to friends of mine that that have done that. And I'm like I don't I don't want to be that guy. Uh, I want to be the guy that that you know hopefully has a passion uh, in a lot of their areas in life where my core values are. Our, our family and and friends and health and fitness and my faith and and to be able to keep those at the forefront and hopefully teach those things to you know my you know my kids and and be able to to continue to grow you know that's why I'm you know being able to come on and, and meet with you monthly in the EO group you know, I'm constantly learning new things and I'm reading new books and I'm uh, and I'm you know updating my my me tools, what we call it, uh, to incorporate what I want to do in terms of of not just friends and family, and uh, but also what I want to do in 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 philanthropy. What can I do to give back? I'm doing work with my my university and my old high school, and and how can I help maybe uplift some other kids and mentor them and and help them get to where they want to go because of the wonderful lessons I've been able to learn in my journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, you know, what I heard you just say essentially is, you know, the biggest lesson you learned was you had to create capacity for yourself and, and you couldn't be stuck in the business. You had to, you know, figure out a way. And, you know, we've talked through some of those ways using scaling systems to, to extra, extra date, or excuse me, extradite yourself from the business. 
so that you could have some, you know, I guess, time freedom. Yeah. And one of the greatest lessons any business person can own, whether they're working for someone or working for themselves, is how do you create more time for yourself? And, and the way you do that, to your point, is by building a plan for it mm-hmm. and then right. executing on that plan. And what I heard you say is once I did that, then I was able to free up time for me to go and focus on these other things that were aligned with my right. personal values. Is that correct? Right. Right. And, and let other people know about it. But also one of the things I, I wanted to do is I started learning, I learned how to surf and I wanted to get to California and Hawaii more. And Vern Harnish, who wrote the Rockefeller Habits, said, Chris, you need to, you need to spend at least three weeks a year away from the business. So that, that gave me license to, to, to take a nice long vacation with my family. And I wrote a book. I wrote Athletes Wanted at the time and it helped bring value to my company, but it also, showed the leaders at the company that they could develop and and lead without me. They had the roadmap and they had the plan. And, and part of me became really in, involved in leadership development. And the way I, I could measure leadership was how many leaders was I helping grow. Mm. And the more leaders I helped grow, it freed me up to be able to do things that were more important for me it built the value of the business and made it more scalable because if I'm just trying to micromanage the whole thing, I realized really that there were some things I was very good at, but there are also some things I wasn't good at and I didn't want to do. And to identify those things that I was passionate about so I could focus on relationships and team and culture and, and, and vision of the company, that was, that's what I did. And I was able to sub out operations, sales, marketing, accounting, other things that I I wasn't as good at or I didn't want to do. So that way we could get people in the spots that could identify in the vision of the company where their opportunities were for grow and then for te- to teach them how to grow leaders. So really, we could only grow as fast as we could grow leaders. And that was and I would point that out to everybody and they could see it because they could see the growth chart. They could see how many people we needed and people could start to see the org chart for 2020 and we were in 2008 and they're like, I want to be that guy. And now all of a sudden I had people working to fill org chart spots that were four or five years down the road. And today, one of the things I'm most proud of at NCSA is a lot of those spots are people that, you know, the, the president of NCSA is a girl named Lisa Strassman. She started out as a $15 an hour intern and she's the president of the company right now. Izell Reese, who played seven years with the Dallas Cowboys, who joined us up had a vision of helping develop youth sports to the point where we have the company called Reigning Champions Experiences, which was developed as a a, a marketing part of NCSA. All of NFL flag football is part of that company now. So the guys that were part of, and it was all part of this 2020 vision that they just continue to run with. And it's really fun to be able to see, I call it not just a coaching tree, but kind of a leadership tree to see uh, the the people that are still Corey Wallman and I got you know I have a list of people that were the leadership team we set up at NCSA that are still running things at Endeavor right now, which I'm most proud of. That's amazing, man. I have, I have a question. Can you run for ten more minutes? You got to get wrapped yeah. up here. No, I'm good. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate I'm fun, that, buddy. This is great. Yeah, yeah. Time's, no, time's I, flying by. I know. I, I I'm watching the clock. You know, one of the questions I have, which I think maybe other leaders might have or listening to this is like, hey, man, that sounds great. But how do I develop leaders by me not being there? Like that sounds and that's my first question. My second question, maybe my answer, my second question first. Are you telling me that you drew out org charts for when the company was 10 times its size? So you literally had an org chart. This is the org chart for five years from now. Yeah, this is where these are all the departments. (laughs) This is where we're going. And people are like, we don't have any of those departments yet, Chris. You're like. Well, yeah, but we will then. Well, yeah. It, well, after af, after my second iteration, after twenty, after we did twenty twelve, we get we, I got the leaders of the company and we built twenty twenty together. So a lot of the people that it wasn't just my vision anymore. I got the leaders of the company and we made the twenty twenty vision. And a lot of the leaders that are still there helped develop that. Says, what? Let's make your department. Give me your department 2020 vision. And so they would go to work and they would dream up of how big their department would be and how many employees they would need and what technology they would need. And so it was fun to get more people involved and get hands on in writing that vision meant they were all invested in it. And, and they're still today running that, running that company that they put their blood, sweat and tears in, which I was, a, I think, a big part of our leadership development. I still literally talk to Izell and Lisa on a weekly basis 
And yeah, you know, and it's fun because I'm, you know, continue to watch them. They're like, hey, we got another. You remember we talked about that in 20, you know, 2015. Hey, we just got the NFL. We just got Major League Baseball on and we just got and the NBA. We just signed a deal with the NBA. All these things are happening that we talked about doing literally 10 years ago. And it's really fun to see. I think there's a lot of power in in painting, you know, picking that target in the future and then letting the team figure out a way to get themselves there themselves, right? And help and I guess escorting them there along the way. In 2013, I set a 10-year vision for my company to do one million to help one million homeowners gain and retain home ownership. The number was wow. zero, and there was like 30 people in the business at that point. They're literally hitting that next month. Wow. And it took, fantastic. it took nine, nine years and four months. Wow. That's yeah, fantastic. And, I, and now I'm not in the business anymore, but, but, but my former business partners are there. And so I, I said, Hey, are you guys going to invite me to cut a cake? Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know? Really? Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's the same. I, I, you know, and look, man, I've been out of the company for two years now, but I, I, you know, was there for eight years and I set that goal and I exited the company, but I still was like, like you rooting them on like, yeah. Hey, like, your baby we got to hit that million yeah and i'm sure everyone that was there the day i said that goal was like oh maybe we will maybe won't but in my mind i'm like oh yeah we will it's just a question of of how we're going to right right and so you you clearly did that not once but twice 50 then 200 million you exited the company what was what was the you you exited and then you did a i guess you're still involved through raining through some other parts of the business but walk us through that exit a little bit well we um you know, we, we got to 50 million and, and, uh, we had a lot of runway. We were growing rapidly. And so I, uh, took, took some chips off the table, but I still, um, kept a, a pretty good equity position in the second part from 20, 2014 to, to literally just 2021 when we, when we, uh, we sold the rest of it to Endeavor. And at that point, it was more, um, you know, following through on, on, on the plan and, and, uh, getting out of the way because actually with the guys from you know reigning champs and and uh we're like hey you've they call you know it's funny it's like the steve jobs or the colonel sanders like i'm the you know the founder and uh you know they 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 we already had all these great people talented people in place and you know i had opportunity to move to california which was part of my me tool was to get to so when they said hey i can move to california and work with uh russ pillar and the guys with reigning champs uh in santa monica i i that took me about 10 minutes to say yes to that one. Right. So that's when I moved from uh, Chicago to California and, and continue to, to work with them and help and grow the company. And then to just be able to, you know, start to focus on, on what my next chapter is going to be uh, as, as a, as a leader and to start looking at other opportunities. And that's where, you know, I've been had a ch- the, for- the good fortune to, to still have a really great relationship with NCSA. I still have some ownership in reigning champs. And uh, so, to, so now I'm more of a consultant. So I've been having a chance to meet with uh, Mark Shapiro and and the guys at Endeavor and and look for ways to integrate NCSA um, with all the other sister companies over at Endeavor. It's been a lot of fun. So we're diving into things with uh, name, image, and likeness now. Uh, we're diving in some things with culture. Uh, the IMG Academies, which is the uh, sister company of NCSA, we're looking at literally doing um, corporate training over at the IMG Academies now where we could take YPO and EO groups and, and bring them into a world-class facility and do some training with them on mindset and nutrition and business development. So there's a lot of fun things that I'm starting to be able to um, you know, continue my passions at a, at a kind of different level, at a board level. I also have a good buddy of mine that uh, owns a guaranteed rate mortgage. And so I'm serving on the board at guaranteed rate now. And so I'm starting to learn a lot as a board member there too. So um, I'm continuing to grow in this whole concept of athletership. My big passion has always been taking all these college kids and helping them get internships and jobs. So we put together a program at Vanderbilt University where their interns are, the, the athletes are getting internships with EO and YPO companies in Nashville. And we're looking at scaling that on a national basis as well, too. So I continue to to, to take the, the passion and, and try to move it into the areas where uh, you know, fortunately still, you know, they, they know they have a little bit of influence now it helps. So, yeah, man, I love it. 
I also love that you're now in the mortgage business. So you're like, oh, I just learned, Darius, that your industry's <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> yeah, wow. It's an eye opener. <laughs> like, oh, uh, this is yeah. quite a roller coaster. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Interest so, rates just did what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you, your business just got cut in half? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> in, in like 90 I, days? I, I, how do you manage that one? Wow, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an eye opener for. That's a doozy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's like oil and gas and mortgage, like two of the most volatile industries in, in the world. So, man, you've accomplished so much as an entrepreneur. I, what you know, what I love most is like you know, there's businesses out there that are all about making money, and then there's ones that make money and impact. And you know, then CSA, you built something from your basement of your house that essentially has helped over. You know, almost a quarter million athletes and then some gain $16 billion in scholarships. You know, when you do something like that, man, that's that's changing generations of lives, like without question, like there's generations that will be affected from that. You're talking about this, this idea of athlete leadership. Like, well, tell us a little bit about that. I'd love to close the show out just teaching people what that is. Yeah. I, I believe that sounds like that's a big part of your next movement. Yeah. The, yeah. Athlete leadership is a term I coined, you know, about 10 years ago and working on getting it put in the dictionary. That's a goal of mine. And it's really empowering leaders through the life lessons of sports. And, you know, when the NCAA says, you know, there's 400,000 kids going pro in something other than their sport. However, one of the things I've learned through going through the NCAA is that there isn't an efficient model of taking these athletes and getting them connected with internships and jobs, just because a lot of times their, you know, their, their schedules are, are, are so filled with not just you know, academics and sports. And there's not a, an efficient means for the businesses to find out about these kids and the kids to find out about these business opportunities. So we've been working really hard in terms of how the lessons of, you know, I, I interviewed in my book, Athletes Wanted. Uh, over a hundred CEOs, and I said, "Would you rather have a college athlete with a C plus average, or a kid who didn't play college sports that got straight A's?" And like ninety nine percent of them said, "Give me the college athlete every time, all day long." And I said, "Why?" And I asked you, "Why would you rather have the college athlete, Darius?" Because, dude, being a college athlete is fucking hard and it's gnarly, gnarly. <laughs> like, like I mean, get look, getting straight A's is hard too. But playing sports and going to school—that's work. You, you, that's two jobs. It's an eighty-hour work week. Yeah, it's two it, jobs. It's it's so so it's like these kids got grit. They know how to be coachable. They've been they, you know they've been yelled at. They 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 their work. They have incredible work ethics. They're goal setters. They're able to manage their time. There's all these tools that make that that reason why they you know we have like NCSA is our is my little athlete leadership. Um, uh, model because we have almost a thousand employees. Almost everyone played college athletics, and people say, "Well, I, do you want to? How do you want to? You want to grow your company? Well, here, here's what you do: you you get a bunch of athletes, you give them a vision, show them where they're going to go, show them how they're going to get there, show them the the position that they're going to play on the team. You make it a safe place to make plays where there's trust, and you have fun." You do those five things, you're going to win a championship every time, and that's an athlete leadership culture. So we're, I'm trying to teach you know people that may not be as savvy in terms of understanding sports and how these athletes can infuse a great, great cultural values into an organization and really gamify business. And I think there's a, a market for people that want to grow their businesses to help recruit athletes and and have those athletes be a part of of, of passionate companies that are driven by those same value, those core values of, of, of team, the team value that, that, you know, really that's, that's the first value I think for any, for any organization to have success is to have a, to have a team mentality versus just the business mentality. Wait, so were all your employees at NCSA college athletes? Yeah. And about, about, half, about half, about half of them went through the program and came back and worked for us. So we got no way. <laughs> so we cheat. So we cheated. You know, like, <laughs> I asked such a stupid question. I'm like, how did you? How did you level up these leaders? I'm like Darius, I found people that had my values, that had the values of an athlete, that that were played at an elite level, which means they have natural leadership ability because that's the only way you get there. Yeah. And then I just put them in, in the, and I got out of their way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Supported them. And then we said, in four years. When you're done playing, come back and work for us. Yeah. And they all start to come back. <laughs> the chickens uh, come home to roost, right? I love it, man. So look, dude, shit. 
what what a dude so much fun hanging out with you by the way this is this is oh, really cool thank you darius it's uh you know i i uh i just want to say thank you for uh, for for getting this out there and hopefully we can you know maybe uh light the fire under some people give them some give them some math leadership ideas and culture and and uh and be there for for them to to hopefully you know teach teach this next generation of entrepreneurs and and help them grow because you know we're only here for so long so let's make it a better place and you're doing that Darius so thank you. Oh thanks man right back at you. So hey anyone that wants to like check you out or connect with you what's the best way for them to do that? Y'all can I you know, I'm on uh, the, the social medias but just uh, you know NCSA CK uh NCSA at me.com is my email uh CK NCSA at me.com or um you could look me up on you know Google me. <laughs> yeah. I can feel like Facebook or whatever. I'm I I I and uh, Twitter. I'm I'm a, I'm on those. Uh, you can you can reach out to me through any of those. I'd be happy to uh, connect with any 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 of your uh, your your listeners. Yeah, and, and anyone that that's like that that that. How about I'll screen them. You can you can also just connect with us and we'll connect you with CK. So yeah, that'd be yeah. You could do that. That maybe be a lot better. Yeah. So if he's getting some random emails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hit up my team. It, we'll uh you guys we're, we're happy to connect you but yeah you're all over social so they can connect with you there as well but man ck my brother so much gratitude man thank you so much for coming on the show today really appreciate you peace brother thank you so much there you are listening to the greatness machine and that's a wrap for today listen if you love what you heard subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on so that you don't miss any of our future episodes we have tons of great people coming on and we're, we're stoked to have you here to enjoy it with us leave us a review tell us what you love most about this particular episode we love getting the reviews we love to see what you guys love most and if this particular episode you know made you think of someone who's leveling up in their business and in their life print screen share it with them leaders are the best givers and after all we're all here to support and grow with each other and in case you want to see some of the fun behind the scenes shots or some of the things that we're doing, I'm actually writing about this in my weekly newsletter. Go to www.therealdarius.com and subscribe to my newsletter. We're talking about fun things like business and life and mindfulness and cryptocurrencies and gosh, I don't even know everything and anything, but it's tons of fun stuff I write about. I try to get it out on a weekly basis. You can subscribe at www.therealdarius.com. And with that said, look, thank you guys so much. Appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We're out of here. See you guys on the next one. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam, on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.